the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. Good to have you with us. I'll join Pastor Chris in welcoming those who are joining online as well. In case you haven't been with us these past few weeks, just a quick uh, reminder or flashback that we have been on a journey together. We've been on the road with Jesus. In our prayer, Allie prayed with us and for us that um, one of the things we thank God for is his word in which we see these pictures of Jesus in the pages of the gospel and we see lived out before us life as it's meant to be lived before God. And so that's been our adventure, our journey these past few weeks. We've been using the Gospel of Mark as a roadmap. We've been following along the road with Jesus, with his disciples, with the crowds. And we've been able to listen in on Jesus' teaching. We've been able to observe and become witnesses along with Jesus' disciples. The incredible acts of power that he demonstrated. The acts of righteousness and the acts of compassion and healing. And as we've been on this journey, we've encountered a lot of different people. We've encountered fishermen and tax collectors. We've seen sick people, demon-possessed people. We've seen experts in the law. We've bumped into religious people and not-so-religious people. We've seen big crowds and lone lepers, a synagogue ruler, and a woman reaching out just to be able to touch the hem of Jesus' cloak. And this morning, as we come to chapter 10, we're moving quite a bit forward. We were in chapter 5 last week. You may want to go back this week and see what happened in between. But this morning in chapter 10, we see that Jesus continues to draw large crowds, continues to teach, and continues to see his ministry expand. People still want to hear Jesus. Yes, there's opposition, especially among religious leaders, that's growing. And we see that as kind of the backstory. But the main event is that crowds are gathering People are being healed. People are being taught. And as people gather, they recognize there is a blessing in being near to Jesus. And this morning in Mark 10, we'll see that people are eager to receive that blessing, but also to share it with their children. So let me read in Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So you see that people were People were eager. People were hungry to come within the sphere of Jesus' influence. They wanted to be close. They wanted to be near. They sensed that there is inherent blessing in proximity to Christ. And we see that at least some of those people were not selfish about keeping that blessing to themselves. They wanted to share it. And here we see that parents specifically wanted to see that their kids got blessed by Jesus. And so when they heard that Jesus was coming through town, they brought their children they, they maybe elbowed their way through the crowd so that they could get near enough so that Jesus could even simply place his hand on their heads and give them a blessing. 
It's a beautiful impulse on the behalf of the parents. And it's a beautiful picture to imagine this happening. But that's not what the disciples thought. They didn't see this as a beautiful act or impulse. They thought this was an annoyance. They thought this was an interruption. They thought it was uncalled for. Mark tells us the disciples rebuked the people, put them in their place, said that there was no place for this as the people brought their children to Jesus. Now, we don't know what that rebuke looked like or exactly what the mood of the disciples was, but it's hard for me not to picture the disciples as some sort of like self-formed security detail, taking their job very seriously. It's not like the disciples wouldn't have had a way to, to, to know that Jesus was in the habit of stopping to bless people. It's not that the disciples would have realized or thought that Jesus only cared about adults. Last week, we looked at the fact that Jesus took time out of his busy schedule to go to the home of a synagogue ruler, specifically to raise back to life a 12-year-old girl. And so if Jesus was willing to do that, what was the big problem with Jesus simply taking some time to, to be nice to these kids that parents were bringing to him, to say a simple prayer of blessing? over them. Well, we don't know exactly what the disciples said as they rebuked the people for blessing, for seeking a blessing for their children. Maybe they said the master had more important things to get to. We don't know what their agenda was that day. But we know that this delay was simply unacceptable to these people who, as Jesus' close friends, probably should have known better. Jesus had delayed along the road on his way to bring that 12-year-old girl back to life. We saw that last week that he delayed to have a conversation with a woman who had reached out for healing. But maybe in the disciples' minds, there were, there were different things that were worth or not worth stopping and taking time for. Maybe they thought it made sense to stop for demon exorcisms, to stop for healings, to stop for relief from blindness or leprosy, but a simple blessing, especially for a kid, I think we can imagine what that rebuke of the disciples looked like. It's like, out of the way, people. Important rabbi coming through. No time for kid stuff. And that's a dangerous message. It's a message that I've been wondering, is that something we convey, maybe even subtly, either as followers of Jesus or as a congregation here at Bethany? Do we ever convey that somehow things are more inherently important if they have to do with adults rather than with kids. I'm really thankful for the staff and the lay leaders we have here at Bethany, those who invest heavily and with diligence in our children and youth ministries to help us make it clear that that is not our sense in any way, shape, or form, that we value kids and families and youth, and that one of our purposes is, like these parents, to bring kids into proximity to Jesus so that they can be blessed by him. And so I want to thank you for joining us in that, for helping us demonstrate to people watching, to families among us, that we care about kids, that kids' stuff matters. And this is really important, because if we're not careful, we might slip into actions or tendencies or language that might make it seem like first and foremost are the things that pertain to adults, and then if there's time and space, 
We can talk about the kids. That's the philosophy the disciples had that day. Adults first, and kids as time allows. And we see that Jesus wanted absolutely nothing to do with that line of thinking. We're told that the disciples were a bit annoyed. They rebuked the people around them. But Jesus, we see, was indignant. That's a strong word. That's a powerful response. Jesus was indignant and said, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Don't hinder them, Jesus said. Get, get out of their way. Pull back the velvet ropes. Open up the gates. Let these kids come rushing in. These are the kinds of people I'm looking for, Jesus said. Don't hold them back. I welcome them and I bless them. The kingdom belongs to kids like these and to those who are like them, Jesus says. When's the last time someone told you to grow up or act your age? Maybe for some of you it's it's been a while. Um, Actually, one thing that's impressed me about folks here at Bethany is some of our older folks don't seem to like to act their age. they're rather youthful and spunky. And I'm amazed at the number of times I've had to say, well, wait a minute, you're, you're 80? Like, you're 90? I think there's something in the Bethany coffee. But often, there's pressure for people to grow up, to act their age, to behave maturely, to take their responsibilities seriously, to function at a high level, And of course, this is all important for society to work. If we have a society of adults behaving like juveniles, we're not going to get very far. So there's a lot to be said for maturity. But Jesus isn't telling us to be childish. He's inviting us to believe and receive like a child, to have childlike faith. Jesus says, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so what exactly is childlike faith? What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God, to believe like a child? Well, I think about receiving something like a child, and my mind goes to uh, a scene, I'm sure you've seen it played out somewhere, a kid receiving a birthday present or a Christmas gift, and paper is flying It is received with enthusiasm and delight. And as the gift beneath is is revealed, that gift is is held aloft or or clutched close, and we hear oohs and ahs and wows and thank yous. We can picture what it looks like to receive something like a child. Or even think of of when Children's Church is announced here each Sunday morning, and we see the, the kids, they don't waste any time getting out of here. Maybe they're eager to leave. That might be part of it. But I think more than anything, they're excited about what is downstairs as they find a group of people and a place that is especially set up to receive them, that is ready to welcome them, that is ready to teach them about Jesus, and it's a fun place to be. 
And so I want to ask, when, when's the last time you scampered into the presence of God? I see some laughs. It's a powerful word. That's a childlike word to actually scamper into the presence of God. You can't do that without smiling. It's a sense of what it means to come into the presence of God, to receive his gifts and kingdom with childlike joy and faith. When's the last time you were a little rambunctious or squirrely to get to church or to be in another place with God's people and with God, to be in the presence of God and to learn from his word? That excitement, that Christmas Eve excitement and joy and anticipation. I've been thinking this week about how when children receive the kingdom of God, they tend to do it with, with no strings attached. If you go on and read in Mark chapter 10, you'll actually see that the very next story after this one is the story of a young man, a rich young man who came to Jesus. And Jesus told him, if you want to follow me, you should sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and then, and then come and be my disciple. And we're told that that young man went sadly away. He did not receive the kingdom of God like a child. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Mark places these two stories in contrast to see that Jesus says, here's what it looks like to come to the kingdom. And then Mark gives us this poignantly sad story of what happens when someone doesn't. Kids don't, don't tend to get tangled up in complicated calculations before they say yes to something. They hear the gospel, the message. They hear the good news that Jesus loves them, that God wants to forgive them of their sins, give them abundant life, and to be with them forever beginning that day. And many children say, yes, that sounds great. Yes, please. Now, we know that as those same children grow up, as they mature as people, as they develop a deeper faith as disciples, yes, there's more to learn. And yes, the decisions become more challenging and often quite difficult. But to receive the kingdom of God like a child is to receive it with joy, with gratitude, to hold it close, not to, to hold it at arm's length, wondering if we're really going to commit. I've noticed, too, that many times kids don't seem to get quite as tongue-tied as many adults when it comes to even talking about God. When you ask kids to express their faith, they don't seem to be embarrassed about it. They don't stop and wonder, okay, will I offend someone if I say this? They simply and sweetly express their faith. Now, as we hear those expressions, we might recognize that maybe their abstract thinking skills are still in development, understandably. But there's something about hearing a child put his or her faith into words that warms our hearts, that stirs something in us. And it's not because they're so cute, although that's often part of it. I think we recognize that there's something essential and elemental about a faith that is expressed and it simply flows from a person without a lot of framing, without a lot of filtering, that's a life lived in response to the goodness of God that's poured in with grace. And then, of course, there are issues of trust and belief when it comes to receiving the kingdom like a child. 
When we do that, I think it means, I think it means we're all in. That we believe what God has told us. We're willing to take God at his word. Not because it all makes sense. Not because we think we understand it all. But because we believe that God is good and faithful and true. Now I think that receiving the kingdom of God like a child doesn't mean we, we check our brains at the door. We don't, we don't leave our intellect out of this equation. Because there is a lifetime of thoughtful engagement and deep thinking that we can do when it comes to our faith. There's intellectual wrestling we'll need to go through. But a child we know receives the kingdom because what they've heard is compelling. It's enough. And they say yes. And children tend to focus more on their beliefs than on their doubts. Jesus loves me. This I know. It's a statement of faith. We know that children have a lot to learn about God, about faith, about life. But there's something beautiful and simple about such a bedrock statement of faith. And so what do you truly believe about God today? And how might you be able to put that into words so that a child could understand it? In 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul writes, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Now, I don't think Paul is contradicting Jesus here. I don't think Paul is saying, you know what, we just need to all grow up and move on. Paul is simply saying that he stopped being childish. He stopped being childish, which is very different than leaving behind the wonder and joy of childlike faith. Jesus invites us to believe, to receive the kingdom of God like a child. In fact, he says, anyone who doesn't receive it that way actually won't get in. And so as we hear that, I hope it catches our attention to say we, we need to be attentive here. We need to be people who believe the way that Jesus is inviting us to believe. Each week during this sermon series, we have focused on one word. You've seen it up here on our street lamp along our, our road one word to help kind of anchor our, our thoughts and teaching. Launch, imagine, multiply, pause, and today, believe. And it might seem a little strange that, that believe comes here in week five. But I actually think it's appropriate because I know that many of us here today, at one point in the past, came to a point of belief. There was a point where we say, yes, I put my trust in God through Jesus Christ. I believe we recognize we're far enough along the road that maybe we've left behind a bit of that childlike belief and childlike faith. And so maybe it's time for us to revisit our belief a bit and make some mid-journey corrections along the road. Excuse me. <clears throat> so in the week ahead, I want you to consider three questions. First, do you think that there are any ways that we are somehow hindering little children from coming to Jesus? Is there any way we're doing that in our homes? Any way we're doing that as a church? 
that instead of helping usher kids into the presence of Jesus so he might bless them, we're actually putting up roadblocks or obstacles or hindrances. If there are, please let me know because we want to be people who are gently pushing kids into the presence of Christ that they might be blessed by him and learn from him. How might we, in the weeks ahead, more lovingly, more effectively welcome the children who are among us? And the second question is, what, what is the state of your own faith today? What's the state of your faith? And in what ways is your faith childish rather than childlike? If you analyze your faith, if you take some time to think about where you're at in your walk with Jesus, is there any way that your faith, if you're honest, is maybe stuck in first grade? And not, not in a good way, not in a childlike way, but you realize, wow, I just haven't grown. I've been on this journey with Jesus for years, and there are some areas where I just haven't grown in. And so how can we continue to learn together from our master, to be formed into the likeness of Christ with a faith that is fresh and energetic, that keeps us scampering into his presence to learn at his knee? And then finally, are there ways that you need to get back to a more childlike faith? Where have you grown jaded over the years? Where have you let your, your doubts linger and fester and take root rather than bringing them honestly and simply to Jesus, talking them through, letting him work in you on those doubts to come alongside you despite them? Where have you become cynical over the years? Where do you realize you're, you're not childlike, but you've grown hard-hearted? Where have you been hesitant to take God at his word, especially if it just seems really hard to believe or maybe too good to be true? When's the last time you made a childlike leap of faith because you say, Jesus loves me and God is good and God is trustworthy? When's the last time you prayed with childlike faith? And when's the last time you embraced life with childlike joy. Our Try This experience this week is for you, for all of us, to, to go and, and be a bit of a kid again. So for some of you, this is your kids now. For some of you, you act like kids now. This will be easy. But the idea is to do something that maybe, maybe you haven't done in a long time. Go to a playground and, and play on the swings or do some uh, crafts with, uh, with simple supplies, or draw something with crayons, or just to, to go on a walk through the woods, not with worries and concerns, but just with joy and awe of looking around you at, at the trees. And then after that, to take some time and reflect, to see if there was any way that, that acting a bit more like a kid for a change got you thinking about what it was like to be a kid, especially in your faith. And to take some time and pray that through with God. As all of us continue our journey along the road with Jesus this week, I pray that we would be aware of temptations to be childish. Temptations to 
not be grown up the way we should be. But I pray that we'd also be alert and looking for opportunities to be childlike, to be childlike, to be trusting God together, to be smiling at each other, to be soaking in the simple truth that Jesus loves us, and to share that truth simply and with joy with those around us who need to hear it. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for continuing to lead us along the road. Thank you for taking time in this journey to stop, to teach us, to welcome us, to bless us because you love us as God's children. Teach us to walk with you in faith. Teach us to stay close to you and to learn from you every day as our Lord and Master. And Jesus, show us in this week ahead how to take our faith more seriously by sometimes taking ourselves less seriously. We pray in your name. Amen.